Hello and welcome to Series 2 of the Physics Capsule Podcast. Hi. We promised that we'd be back in September last year. <laughs> it's been more than a year. Yeah, we were held back for various reasons. We're here. We were terribly enthusiastic to pick this up again. The reactions to the previous series was pretty good. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people were listening to it long after we, uh, we ended that series as well. Yes. The point is, we're here, we're back, and we're thrilled to have a second series. We're also relaunching Physics Capsule in a pretty big way. Yes. Uh, over the coming week or so. Yes. Let's get to it. What are we talking about today? So the other day when I was reading a textbook, uh, a very elementary one on electricity and magnetism, okay. I came across this familiar idea that the charge on an electron okay. and that on a proton, right. they're exactly identical. Right. Four reasons Except unknown. in charge. Four uh, reasons unknown. Mm-hmm. For very mysterious reasons because the proton and the electron are very different particles. Okay. They belong to the very different uh, classes of particles. Right. And uh, for one, the, the proton is about 2,000 times heavier than the electron. Okay. And uh, it's, the, the, these are very different particles. Okay. And still, they have the exact same magnitude of charge on them. Mm-hmm. What, what do you have to say about this? Is this a coincidence? or uh, I think at this point, we're just speaking of hypothesis. But... What, what, what do you think, what, what do you make of this particular... If you look at the world around us, it would be pretty hard to exist if things were unusually positively charged or unusually negatively charged. So I don't think it's very surprising that we just ended up with a, a combination of particles that happen to be neutral and for that to happen, they happen to have the exact same charge. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you, if you remember when we talk about the neutron, it's... Has nothing to do with charge, and the only reason right. we thought there's another particle out there is because the mass is different. We have a, a neutron, so that's completely out of the equation, I think. So, as mm-hmm. far as the charges are concerned, it's perfectly natural for me for the world to be neutral and therefore for the two charged particles present everywhere to have equal and opposite right. charges. Well, what you mean to say is, out of all the possible particles that we would have had, right, which would have maybe different uh, charges on them, correct. The proton and the electron were kind of singled out because they had the exact same of charge and that's why we are exactly. speaking of them today. Exactly. And exactly. that's why they're widely found in exactly. matter. That, that, that sounds very plausible to me. Yeah. Right. So so that, that that gets into this, you know, uh, that gets us into some kind of philosophical questions Quite. as for why, yeah. why does the universe <laughs> exist, yeah. right? Now that, that reminds me of something that I hadn't actually planned on talking about today, but I was reading about this a couple of days ago. I think it's called the anthropic principle, mm-hmm. right? I, I've heard of that. Yeah, it, it's about how the entire universe exists mm-hmm. only because carbon-based life forms are here, mm-hmm. right? Rather than saying the carbon-based life forms happen to be born out of whatever collection of probabilities led to their existence. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying that, the anthropic principle goes backwards and tries to say that because there are carbon-based life forms here, mm-hmm. that's why the universe exists. I think it's a very funny idea. I don't really believe in it myself, but I haven't had time to think about it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't think it's a very scientific thing. But yeah, to say that electrons and protons are the way they are because of something, I think it's the other way around. It's because something happened that we know end mm-hmm. up with. 
the version of the universe that usually you know. this conversation comes up when we speak of the multiverse theory yeah uh, there could be another why, why universe why does this universe exist right. why does it exist in this particular way that the that the way that we observe it correct uh, it's because this universe led ultimately to intelligent life right absolutely. and here we are standing and asking why are we <laughs> you know uh, yeah. why are we living in a universe that yeah. we see the way it is right yeah, that also reminds me of something called the miller urey experiment It's a chemistry thing, so I apologize for bringing it up in a physics podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly uh, what they did, but it was something like, and, and this was done quite recently as well, mm-hmm. where they set up these systems, right, mm-hmm. which try to replicate the sort of environment that was present in the early years of the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mean like we do in the LHC, um, mm-hmm. rather in the lab in a Petri dish, for example, something very hot and something wet, something cold, something dry and things like that. Mm-hmm. and they they take this random um, collection of of chemicals so that mm-hmm. we know existed or, or at least is representative of of the conditions that existed when the universe began the so called primordial soup okay and if you were to allow this system to evolve by constantly changing mm-hmm. randomized parameters mm-hmm. one of the things that you end up with is the rna okay so this is a out of random Oh yes exactly and it's one is one of those experiments which shows mm-hmm. kind of going against all this creationism and all that that uh, I don't want to bring in okay <laughs> religion for a different <laughs> right uh, but it, it's one of those experiments that shows us that uh, us being here mm-hmm. as a probability mm-hmm. is actually a completely plausible idea it's not an outlandish thing if you actually redo this entire thing with enough uh, randomness you will eventually come up with something of this sort what, what you mean to say is if we were to go back in time <clears throat> right and let the universe begin again you know let let there be one more big bang right with uh, maybe not in the very identical way that right. somewhat similar happened yeah. somewhat similar under the similar conditions there's a, there's a very good probability that this we will eventually arise at some point of time in the evolution of okay. that universe as well. Maybe you mean uh, intelligent life Inter- carbon based uh, life forms humans right. so animals we know. So that's a possibility that's a possibility, that always yeah. exists. Yeah. Okay. At 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 mm-hmm. some stage or other mm-hmm. it's a, it's far more it's likely that that okay. will happen. It's not as unlikely as we, we would think. expect. Yes. Right. It's it's not so unlikely that you have to again i don't want to bring religion but it's not so unlikely that you need to say okay mm-hmm. it could only have been created by somebody <laughs> you know that that i think is an argument that uh, comes out due to the limited exactly yes thinking yeah also when when you talk about limited ways of thinking it's about how we can uh, how how our minds can think human mm-hmm. minds cannot really mm-hmm. uh, think beyond certain limits right so we try to reason within that unless right. of course you go purely objectively and scientifically and then you realize this is possible to right so so what you might say is such questions right. uh, such as what i raised that the coincidence of the proton and the electron mm-hmm. uh, having the exact same charge mm-hmm. Uh, the question of why is it so there should be some profound reason behind that might not that be leads, as profound yeah that that leads to us uh, leads us to a very different uh, <laughs> yeah. unfruitful yeah. quest I guess. Yeah, I think that's another thing where we humans want an answer to be profound, but that's not always the case. You know, it, it just is. Yeah. Uh and, and it's it, difficult to accept that. Yeah, me. people just don't like the idea that there's nothing profound in this. Oh, is is that it? There must be more. There, there has to be a reason. <laughs> there has to be something beyond it.
thinking of um, electrons and protons and charges and, and whatnot, here's this there's this common notion that people have about how current electricity works. People are taught that current flow, flowing through a conductor is like water flowing through a pipe. And in some ways, that analogy is pretty good, actually, unless you take it too far. In which case, you start to start to draw too many parallels and then people get this idea that the reason we have current is because there are all these electrons whizzing around. If I switch on a, a bulb or something like that, people think there's a circuit that goes from the switch to the bulb to the battery back to the switch. And then electrons are going to start flowing at some point near the battery or whatever and then they're going to go all the way through the bulb and then come hit the other point uh, in the battery. But I think it's just going around like water would go around if there was a pipe. What you mean to say is what exactly is happening when you say current is flowing through? Yeah, what, what's how exactly. are these electrons moving? There's no suspense here. The short answer is they're not. Individual electrons are not. Right. Right. But there is an average movement in that direction. That's all that matters. Right. When you have a positive charge accumulation on one end and the negative charge accumulation on the other end of your conductor, there's a force field that's established, and that field is going to exert. Um, enough force on these charge carriers, electrons in the conductors and semiconductors and all that, and then they start moving on average in a particular direction. Right. But let's see actually how they move. It's actually a very simple calculation that you can you can perform. Mm-hmm. Normally the wires that we use at home are these copper wires. Usually it's around two and a half to four mm, that's I think what they suggest. But supposing you were to take around two and a half mm, you have a cross-sectional area which is about five millionths of a meter square. And the reason why this is important is that's how we define current. We don't we don't define current based on the volume or whatever, how much conductor right. I have. It's defined based on how many charge carriers are coming out right. of a cross-section of a wire. If you just cut a wire right. uh, perpendicular to its right. uh, cylindrical right. length how many charge carriers coming out every second and so on. And the density of copper is around 8.9 gram uh, per centimeter cubed. This translates to um, around 85 billion, billion, billion electrons in a meter cube of copper. Okay, so this 85 billion, billion, billion is a pretty big number. And like I was saying earlier in the, in the show, there are some limits that, as humans, we can uh, visualize. In fact, there, I, I some, recall that uh, that number is yeah. bigger than the total number of stars in our universe. Hundred, you know what hundred looks like. You can think of something. Mm-hmm. Thousand, mm-hmm. you can think of something. Mm-hmm. Around hundred thousand, you start losing right. a picture. Around million, you start losing a picture. When you talk of eighty-five billion, billion, billion. You have no picture. You cannot relate it with any of your experiences. Exactly. You just know that it's a big number, but you can't visualize how big the number is. One apple, two apples, three apples, four apples, 85 billion, billion, billion apples. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so this is all the information we need to calculate how these electrons are moving around in in a conductor, any conductor really. But specifically in the conductor that we're talking about is a wire of around two and a half millimeter thickness. Um, this is called drift velocity in physics. Mm-hmm. It's the average velocity that charge carriers like electrons move with when there is a force field that's applied that, right. that forces them to move. But to, to add to what you're saying, mm-hmm. partly the picture of electrons flowing through wires mm-hmm. is not 
very simple. Correct. I think that is one of the reasons why we tend to think in terms of analogies in water yes. and still fail terribly because yeah. flowing of electrons is nothing it's exactly not one like to one. it's not it's like not one to one. water right. flowing through a pipe. I, I think I think a much closer analogy, which might not make sense in other ways, is you moving through a crowd of people. If you have a, if you ever, I don't know, gone to a football uh, match, something you're watching, it's a stadium full of people, um, and people are going around in all directions, and you trying to make your way, you can't just walk across. Right. Right. You're you're bound to someone's bound to come in your way, and then you you have to deviate, and then someone else is bound to come in your way. is the same for electrons they can never just get from one point to another without colliding several times in other words there's uh, no with, highway for the electron to there's just no highway, go, right, go, go in right. They, they need to path. make their way right. right but the thing about electrons is unlike you if you're walking across a, a stadium full of people you will eventually get to where you're going mm-hmm. but in case of an electron that might not ever happen the electron might just be forced to turn in the other direction and um, for a moment for a moment at least right. yes and then the field will once again try to course correct it back in this direction right. and again it's going to collide with something so that's right. basically what happens it's never a free flow there is some pattern out of randomness you mean it all seems very random but yeah. within that randomness there's, there's random a pattern motion, Absolutely. there's some motion happening within that randomness right and the pattern that we get is uh, what we call current that's the average velocity right. that you're getting in one particular direction although in the, it's like society mm-hmm. right individuals in a society might think very differently seemingly mm-hmm. but society as a whole eventually has an opinion and mm-hmm. you might not that like it but that's that that's particular what society drives forwards, society right? yes okay so let's come back to drift velocity if you were to take about 1 ampere of current mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who don't have any idea what 1 ampere is it's the higher end of the kind of current that your iphone might draw mm-hmm. while it's charging often it's much less than that usually just half of that 500 milliamps and so on but that's approximately the kind of number we're talking about here so if you have 1 ampere of current flowing through a wire of a made of copper that's around 2 and a half millimeters thick mm-hmm. turns out that an electron in such a in in such a, a system would be traveling uh, around 15000 of a millimeter every second you mean Consider a millimeter divided, chop it down into fifteen thousand parts. Right. And one part out of that, it travels. Is what it travels every second. In one second. In oh. one second. That's it. That's incredibly slow. <laughs> Again, here's the thing. I don't think people can really Imagine visualize that. something right. that small either. You can you can visualize something. You can't visualize something really big. Also, as something really small. So I have a a bit of a analogy for this. You know Concorde, right? The right. supersonic jets yeah. they used to go from yeah. Um, yeah. London, Paris. I don't think they're they used now. No longer. Uh, nowadays, I think Concorde used to travel at twice the speed of sound, mm-hmm. and nowadays, n- um, yeah, nowadays uh, planes travel at around point eight five, just mm-hmm. a little over three quarters the right. speed of sound. Anyway, so if you were on a Concorde, mm-hmm. you would go across the pond from London to New York in around three and a half hours. Right. That's around five thousand five hundred forty kilometers, roughly. If you were to take an electron that's moving around in your wire and ask it to go from London to New York at the same speed that it would go within that wire, mm-hmm. where your Concorde would travel in around three and a half hours, this electron is going to take three hundred and sixty-nine billion years. Oh my God, that's more than a hundred times the life of the entire universe. Universe, yes. <laughs> so. 
again that's something unimaginable <laughs> yes <laughs> counterintuitive i think so if an electron did start moving uh, where london now is when the universe and electrons was first found it would still not have reached here on earth where where uh, new york now is <laughs> and it's not going to reach for billions of years more <laughs> there's still the question of what exactly makes electrons to flow through wires what what makes current to flow in other words um, we, we generally consider a wire consider a circuit and there's electrons flowing through them um, and we ask the question of how quickly are they flowing and uh, what is the speed of the electron in what direction are they moving but i think quite, if we take a step back and ask the question uh, it's it's more interesting to dig into the question of why are the electrons in the first place moving and yeah. are they moving only in wires when you turn on the switch mm-hmm. or are they just are they or are they even moving in blank piece of metal which is not connected to anything yeah yeah they are moving but you don't have an average move okay. so if you have a chunk in, of metal in a particular direction you mean no um an individual electron is going to be moving if it's free now there are different types of you know i don't think there are different types of electrons but there are just electrons that are either bound to an atom mm-hmm. or they're not bound to anything else they're freely moving around so we call right. those free electrons it's never the bound ones that are useful to us right because they're bound and you have to apply pretty high force um, field right. sorry in order to pick them apart from the, the from the, the bound electrons are useful i would argue to make the atom of that particular material that we are speaking <laughs> yes in that sense yes but not not for but for the flow of not, not for the flow of current right, that we are right, referring right. to yeah right. so in the, in that case really it's a free electrons that we are interested in right. this idea is pretty old i think the, the beginning of what we now call solid state physics was with this idea of free electrons mm-hmm. it's called the free electron theory because people were wondering why current flows through certain things right. and the reasoning was that there are some things which have more free electrons than other things and therefore if you don't have any free electrons current won't flow through it mm-hmm. if you have free electrons then um, current will flow through it because as soon as you coax it mm-hmm. and by coax i mean you apply a positive potential on one side and a negative potential on the other just make sure that it's polarized mm-hmm. then these electrons is going to start um, moving towards a positive uh, positive end just by their nature it's, it's so, interesting also to note historically that before the discovery of the electrons uh, people thought that electricity was a fluid that yes. know, flows from one place to another yes and uh, there are two types of fluids uh, right. and, and later benjamin franklin uh, he mm-hmm. did a lot of work in which he hypothesized that there's a single fluid correct the lack of that fluid and the excess of oh, the, the fluid that fluid. decides right. which, which is positive and negative which incidentally is very close to our present understanding of electrons meaning excess of electrons is negative charge and of electrons is positive yeah but again that's something that is um, worth mentioning we've defined for ourselves mm-hmm. nature doesn't prefer to call something positive 
and something else negative it's a label it's a label that we've put so whatever you want to call a positive the other one's going to be negative right this is very important to know because if you're talking about semiconductors which are all the rage these days at least compared to the 1980 right. so. in semiconductors we always talk of electrons and holes but holes aren't a thing like electrons they're not things that are there that they're exist. just yeah it's it's either electrons or a lack of electrons so it's not about electrons moving somewhere and then holes as a type of particle moving somewhere mm-hmm. it's about initially there being more electrons on one side and fewer electrons on the other side mm-hmm. and the presence of electrons move in one direction while the absence of electrons moves in the opposite direction okay so it it's not really something physical tangible it's not it's not a physical right. yeah it's not it's not something physical which interestingly is also why when we talk of current flow mm-hmm. we say that current flows in a direction opposite to the flow of electrons right we say because it's a conventional direction it's only con- yes current, right? because i think convention was established before we realized all it's these things the, it's not it, the it's positive not, charges but the negative, yeah, but the negative charges, charges that are moving right. Right. by then it was too late to rewrite all the books, all books right? more than a century <laughs> yeah right. but it's interesting to note that the flow of electrons within conductors is also possible you could extract those electrons out and i think that is what was used in cathode ray tubes where the electrons could fly out of uh, the wires right and uh, constitute what were earlier thought of as some kind of radiation mm-hmm. and that's why they were called cathode rays mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of experiments were done with uh, this particular equipment mm-hmm. and i think the discovery of x-rays was also done with uh, while rontgen was using uh, a cathode ray tube correct that was the first nobel prize in physics yeah exactly the, the very first i think it was the first nobel prize at all wasn't it it yeah was the nobel the, prize i think uh, was established at that time and he was the first one, one to get it yeah we still use it for x-rays hospitals use it all the time that's one of the reasons why you don't want to sit very close to one of these older televisions because you have x-rays Okay then so this episode it turns out was all about electrons <laughs> a lot of things <laughs> it's about electrons let's just say it was about electrons right we have to summarize we have discussed of um we we spoken of the electric charge of yeah. the electron and yeah. uh, how the electrons move right to through a circuit through a wire yeah. when you say electric current is said to be flowing Yeah and some philosophical questions on why the universe is the way it is and whether or not science can answer these questions. It was a good start to the second series of the Physics Capsule podcast. We will discuss a lot more about the universe and also much closer to home about everything that's around us. What role the physics plays in this. We will discuss all that in the coming series. Sure. Yes. Um this year is going to be all about series 2 of the Physics Capsule podcast right. and we are going to have 7 to 10 episodes same as last time but we'll come back sooner take a much shorter break between series this time sure you can listen to the Physics Capsule podcast almost wherever you like to listen to podcasts on iTunes um it's also on your Mac of course it's on Google Podcasts Stitcher tune in here there everywhere wherever you get good podcasts you're bound to find the physics capsule podcast 
You can also listen online via your browser. Visit physicscapsule.com forward slash podcast. And you can listen to all our episodes there, whether they're available elsewhere or not. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. We will see you in the next episode. In the next episode. <laughs> you can have listen to that. <laughs> Maybe I won't. <laughs> Maybe I'll keep it. <laughs>